curious about design thinking but don't know where to start, then you're in the right space. Welcome to the Beginner's Guide to Design Thinking and A to Z, a year-long series of bite-sized, real-life examples, do's and don'ts, tried and tested techniques to get you started. I'm Tracy Sharp, a former design engineering director turned mentor and coach that uses design thinking principles to help others design a new life with purpose. And I'm Lucy Patterson, a workshop facilitator and business trainer who uses design thinking to help organisations solve problems and make better business decisions. We are two Northern Lasses with a passion for design thinking for your business, for your projects and your life. So let's get creative without messing up your jumper with crayons. And today is brought to you by the letter H. So we're going to be talking to you about how might we questions. So how might we statements were first introduced in the 1970s uh, by Procter and Gamble and later adopted by IDEO, who seem to be sort of like stealing the thunder from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed they do, yeah. I thought they were Just IDEO, oh no. <laughs> and so since then they've held their own as a way of defining your point of view when looking for solutions to problems within the design thinking process. Yeah, and I, I don't know about you, Tracy, but they are one of my favourite exercises, okay? They are just so much more than, than a practical exercise. So if I was using them in a workshop, the practical side of things is you simply gather your peeps together and you have a problem or a challenge that you want to address. So everyone would then take the challenge and rephrase it in an opportunity-focused way, okay? Add it to a post-it note. So each phrase, you set a phrase rather, essentially starts with how might we? And then you rephrase the problem. Where how suggests you're going to find a solution. Might implies that there are many potential ways to solve the problem and it removes the pressure of ideas needing to be perfect and then of course we indicates that the whole group will work on the problem together so an example of a problem could be some of our customers have a bad experience with us we then find it difficult and expensive to win them back which means they don't often return as customers so if you're going to rephrase that problem into a how might we, it could be something as simple as how might we win back customers who've had a bad experience with us? OK, practically it, it works. It's easy. It's a process to follow. People get a lot from it. But on another level, oh, let me tell you about that other level. I am a design thinking practitioner but I'm also a qualified um, clinical hypnotherapist and I am obsessed with neuroscience and why we behave the way we do, how our brains make us make particular decisions, what control we have over them and all of that. So basically humans have two decision-making systems that we work to. So first off, we have our unconscious and we kind of use that most of the time when we're making decisions. And secondly, we have the conscious and the conscious is a way of justifying the decisions you've made by giving you a rational explanation as to why you've made those decisions. OK, mm. might sound a little bit complicated, but Jay Height, and I always hope I present pr pronounce that surname correctly, the author. So the surname is H-A-I-D-T, just in case I'm not doing the surname. <laughs> but he explains this best in The Happiness Hypothesis. And he talks about the elephant and the rider, okay? So the elephant becomes your unconscious 
and the rider becomes your conscious. So the unconscious, the elephant essentially is large, it operates with simple problems, it's kind of fast and it, it does automatically what it needs to do and it's quite intuitive, but it focuses on the negatives. Mm. So it's there to keep you happy, healthy and safe. So it's going to use mm. past experiences and it, it, we can get, as humans, we tend to focus in on negatives when we've had bad experiences in the past. Just might change. Okay, So it's just there in the moment and it's based on implicit memories. The rider, however, okay, so you're conscious, is very much about operating within complex problems. It's slower. It's more focused. It's high energy. Hmm. It focuses on the positives. We all need the positives in our lives. And it's a lot more flexible to change. And it's, it's kind of focused on the future. It allows you to look ahead. Okay. And it's based on explicit memories, which means that, that this kind of form after two years. All right. So the problem, if we just look at it as a problem, is the negative state. Okay. Mm -hmm. The unconscious elephant kicks in. The problem is a negative. If we activate the rider, if we get to that conscious, we need an emotional connection to get us there, mm. which actually means that when we use a how might we statement, our brains actually interpret how might we as how being the question. And scientists have proven that questions where participants are asked to share opinions increases the neural activity in the areas of the brain that are associated with the reward and pleasure. So reward and pleasure activate happiness hormones and they then reduce stress and anxiety. So essentially what we're doing by asking how is we are relaxing the elephant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this, this, this huge beast has just decided to sit down, take a little nap, okay? Right. Then suggests that you're going to get to explore problems and you're going to explore a problem that you care about, which brings you the emotional connection. But you are linking it to a positive outcome that's just going to happen, you know, just kind of without any pressure, just as if by magic, because it's only a might. And the we suggests that we actually trust the relationships we have with others that we're working with because you're working in a safe environment and it's both experimental but also one where you can't actually fail because we're only coming up with potential solutions, mm. not final ones, okay? So when you start to look at how might we statements like that, you realise how quickly you can actually switch your brain off from a problem and on to a whole new world and a whole new way of thinking in kind of a two-minute thing which makes these how might we statements seem like a really simple, practical tool and they're fantastic in workshops, but they're actually engaging the prefrontal cortex of your brain, the conscious rider, okay? So it means you are then able to solve complex problems in positive ways while being flexible and while being open to change in the future. They essentially leave your brain perfectly primed to creatively find solutions so let's forget about id and let's just say that whoever invented these at procter and gamble back in the 70s <laughs> give them a medal because they are a genius 
it's it's really awesome and it was really nice is like i i actually didn't know the the this elephant analogy that you're talking about i actually didn't know about this and and i think it's so interesting but what's really what's really cool is um i guess that i've been a bit more conscious like when becoming a coach i've been definitely a lot more conscious about the feeling of unconsciousness mm-hmm. when it comes to making decisions in your life and i think that and we we talk about we've talked about it offline but like or maybe another episode that you know I was I was living unconsciously for like most of my like up until my 30s basically like I was kind of living unconsciously and a a really good friend of mine Mary like she coined a wonderful phrase which I feel like ties into this about the elephant is she she called this way of living this unconscious way of living is like being on the conveyor belt of life Mm -hmm. and so it's like it's just this kind of like it's like you're I wrote, a, I actually wrote a blog about it as well, and um, which I can leave a link for later. But it's very much like, you know, in life, you're at school, you like certain subjects at school. Therefore, you think, I'd like to go to university. I like this subject. Therefore, I'm going to continue this at university. And then you kind of like just move forward and you think like, well, I don't necessarily like the way that this is going and I'm not thinking practically. But, you know, I'm kind of this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So I finished university and now I need to find a job and so yeah I guess I can probably find a job that's like kind of related to this but I'm not really particularly liking it and so I'll just keep going forward and then someone will throw in yeah we need to try and think about getting on a property ladder and so you just kind of keep going and you just like kind of keep like well I need to rate I need to get more money so you know but it's too late now because I need to earn more money to get on the property ladder therefore I'm just going to keep going and kind of be unconscious and I'm just going to go for the promotion at the job that I don't necessarily like because I don't like this and and then people get to like their 40s and then they're they're in a position of like kind of authority but they're in a, a job that they really hate yeah and this generally when you get to that point of your life it's something else that forces your conscious you know yes. your conscious to kick in that rider wakes up and suddenly goes hang on yes this elephant's gone along the wrong track and I've just let it happen all these years I've been sleeping yeah Thirty years later, on oh no! <laughs> so, and from, I, from your perspective, because obviously you then deal with sort of more of this in in a life way. How you know? How do you use how might we questions with clients? You know, if, if anyone's listening and yeah. they're identifying this and they're thinking, I need to stop this elephant and get off. Yeah. <laughs> I need to take control of my life. Over to you. How you know? How do they use? How might we to do that? So I use it. Um, uh, I use it in the, at the very end of something I call a discovery session, basically, where, you know, we are a uh, discovery session. We do homework in advance of it. And we just I, I do I ask potential clients, new clients to do a series of exercises, which is like properly like self-awareness, like reflection based exercises where we look at values. We look at passions. We look at where you are in your life. We like I ask you some questions about like, where do you want to be? Where are you now? And so in this discovery session, it's usually like two hours. And then we just talk about everything. We just talk about everything that's coming up. And then we talk about very much like what you do in a workshop, I imagine, Lucy, that you get to a certain point, you look at what's come up in the discovery session. And because coaching is very client-led, I think a lot of like I think a lot of people 
um, there's like a sort of stigma around coaching and mentoring, which sort of says like, oh well, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get a coach because I don't want people to think that I have a problem. Oh yeah, it's not, it's not so much about a problem, but it's more about just like, well, how can I innovate? Like, how can I innovate my life? How can I kind of take my life in a different direction? It's not necessarily have a problem. It just might be like the elephant's taking you off course, and you're not necessarily happy with where you're going. Yeah. So it's it's more about the fact of I use how might we to kind of help clients come up with questions that they want to answer during the coaching sessions. Mm-hmm. So I think that, as I mentioned before, like people will kind of come to you with like a, a bleeding neck problem, which is like, I have a problem right now and I need some help with it. Mm-hmm. And that does happen also. But I think that when you have this discovery session, it's really, really exploring what else could be constituting to that. Like, how are one things connected to another? Because you might think the problem is about work, but actually the problem is not about work. It's about like your, it's about your money status or it's about your um, your living environment or something. And you think, and we talk about it in a way that we look at how everything is connected. And so it's basically bringing everything up, basically like just like a lot of, lot of dust and we bring everything up to the foreground. And then we say, how might we? basically. And it's all about like setting clients up with a mindset of how are we going to innovate or ideate the, like the next stages, which will be in the coaching sessions. Yeah. It's not dissimilar to the way things can then work in business when we use yeah, these sure. in workshops or when we use these for, for business owners. Um, and I think when you've sort of touched on that around coaching and around the, there is a, shame's the wrong word but people are a little bit sort of reluctant to say I have a coach as yeah. though it's like yeah. you know it's 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 not a therapist it's not a consultant it's this gray area in between and I think it's the same well it's the same but similar within a business environment so I try not to refer to myself as a business coach because mm-hmm. I think that it's an unregulated industry and that there are so many people out there who are saying, I'm a business coach, come give me thousands of pounds, I'll transform your business. And in actual fact, what they're doing is telling you what they did that worked for them. And if anything else comes up, they can't help you yes. reframe that. They can't help you how might we, yes. you know, in a, in a way that works for you because they're just telling you what worked for them. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I, and, that, and, and I totally agree. And like to, in, in parallel with that, that is the difference between like a coach and a mentor and like a, a coach and a consultant, because they're, yeah. they're very different things. And it's it's really a, and, and I'm sure you're in the same situation where in de- design thinking and in coaching, you are helping clients come up with their own solutions because, you know, a client or a, a business knows themselves better than we ever will unless we work there you know unless we work there or unless we're like we're like very very deeply connected with the client and that's like ethically that's a bit kind of like that's a bit dodgy so um yeah it's it's really all about people helping people dive deeper within to help solve and and I'm I'm, I guess like I'm I'm feeling a bit reluctant to use the word problem because it, it doesn't necessarily need to be a problem it's just about something that needs to be needs to be zhuzhed up, needs to be like, yeah, what else? let's zhuzh, I like that, zhuzh. yeah. <laughs> as long as you are not going to ask me to spell zhuzh, I'm all for the zhuzh. <laughs> There's a Z in there, at least one Z. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Zhar Zhar Gabor or someone like that <laughs> with, the, with, the, with spelling the zhuzh. But yeah, I think it's, you know, 
it's it's just about being able to rephrase, to reframe. And I know that word kind of reframe comes up quite often in a design thinking and in a coaching perspective. And I suppose you're all the same as me. I'm just always saying to people, don't overthink these things, you know. Mm-hmm. We we, you know, your, your how might we question needs to be right, it needs to be simple, but it doesn't need to be too broad, you know, you're not there to sort of figure out world peace. And it doesn't need to be sort of too defined. So if you think about back to the previous example, basically when we said, um, you know, we've got a problem because we are not managing to get um, clients to come back to us. It's costly. You know, we're, we're losing clients. We didn't actually import the anything to do with the actual cost of Mm. that into the how might we question because that narrows it down far too much and because as you've said we need to know we're addressing the right problem or the right challenge and it might not always be a cost thing we're just inputting our judgment then onto the situation exactly and yeah exactly and I think as well like about you need to be careful about judgment but you need to be careful also that the the how might we doesn't already have a solution in there as well so it needs to be something like kind of like obviously you're you're trying to kind of come up with solutions for something but you you can't write this you can't write the question with the solution already in there because that limits your thinking as well mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and certainly when we're in a workshop um environment we would always say don't overthink it rapid fire you know work together alone essentially so you're all in the room you've all got your own post-its you're not shouting things out so there's no kind of power struggles depending on who's in the room and who you're working with and so that everybody gets the chance to have a voice in what's happening and I think that that can really help to then narrow down the focus because an automatic like an organic focus comes out of it because you will see the actual topics that people have written their how might we's about and there's generally going to be an underpinning theme and that then you know that your how might we question is is working for you um so what happens like in your in your kind of like facilitation um experience experiences if you've got everybody working independently together like how do you then how do you then kind of like funnel that down into what the 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 client's actually going to do next we would make sure that they then just get up and they get a minute each whatever it may be to write to to share their how might we questions and we will then say well yeah that kind of fits within this topic that's this rough topic and we can cluster them and see where the main then problem or the main challenge lies to move forward with that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, how might we? I think I hadn't really, I hadn't really used it too much. I think maybe it had been asked when I was working as an engineer, and but it wasn't necessarily so specific. But it is, it is basically to try and kind of keep that level of open mindedness like early on in the in the design process. And I think that that is. It is a trap that people can fall down that you're basically just trying to there, there needs to be an element of not trying to reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. as well there needs to be an element of that but there also needs to be an, a level of opportunity to actually kind of like open up possibilities to explore different avenues as well so it can be i think it uh from my perspective i think it can be quite tricky um and you know like i've i've, I made, a, I've made a prototyping video for for lucy for a separate course and like as i kind of mentioned that we we wanted to kind of we wanted to sort of solve problems for a particular design project, but actually because of the restrictions of the timeline, we weren't able to go into like levels of possibility. 
but we still wanted and you can you don't have to reinvent the wheel there, there is parts of that that I think it's like there, there's a fine balance how do you kind of how have you managed that kind of fine balance with businesses if you can kind of follow what I'm talking about a lot of the time it very much depends upon the businesses you're working with mm. and the people that you have in the room um, yeah. and I know we've talked about this in other episodes um, but around sort of how you manage that that theatre that can happen if there are power dynamics at play if you're in the room with your boss and you don't want to say you know you don't want to shout an answer in case it's different to what he would say or if the you know the, the the powers that be can often come in with in their minds what they are going to prescribe as a solution yes, yes. and I just think that how might we when you work together alone so you work in silence originally to come up with these how might we questions it can just really allow it, it, it turns the question into something that people, any person in that room, can find answers to, can find potential solutions to. And it then becomes undeniable to whoever is in charge on, an, on a day-to-day basis in that room to see where the common themes and where the common topics are, regardless of whether it's what they've brought into the room as a solution in the first place. Yeah. And that is where it just takes a little bit of careful facilitation shall we say to make sure that you are making the most of how might we absolutely and like I've, I've definitely seen a lot of that as well like of, of like people coming in and they think they've already solved the problem but you know like the whole kind of theme of this like whole podcast is that the first idea is never the best idea yeah, completely. You know, like, and and I think that some people just say like, oh, this is just like a natural, this is a natural progression. But it's the, it's the same principle of like, you know, if we if we continued in that mindset, then rather than having cars, we would just have faster horses. Something you said before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good old um, Mr. Ford. <laughs> good old Mr. Ford. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so like what you're kind of talking about. Yeah. Um. So we are going to be talking about ideate in our next episode, where Lucy's going to be talking a lot about the do's and don'ts when it comes to um these types of brainstorming sessions and obviously like limited like problems that come up how to handle problems that come up when you're limited in scope or when others are limiting in scope that we'll be talking about in our next episode great stuff everything we mention all of the books that we mention in any of our podcast episodes are always linked in our amazon affiliates account um the information we always pop in the blurb um, below the episode but as ever if you've got any specific queries relating to this episode or any other feel free to drop us an email to designthinkingaz at gmail.com we're always happy to answer any questions and signpost you towards any of the resources that we mentioned during our podcast discussions and of course you can always find myself lucy patterson and my podcasting partner in crime tracy sharp over on linkedin where we welcome connections and questions as well so please do join us next time on the A to Z of Design Thinking, where we have will have reached the letter I for ID8. So we'll catch you then.